Lord, as we look on your body slain by your word, by your spirit, form us. Amen. Since the tomb was close at hand, because it was the day of preparation and it was a high day, these are the reasons that the Lord of glory was buried in somebody else's tomb. Stop and linger in this fact. The most beautiful life that ever lived was laid to rest in a rush. His burial improvised because the matters of the day were pressing. His death was so sudden and shocking that no lot had been marked out for him, no coffin bought, no preparations made. And the urgency of other matters was so pressing that it fell to a pair of almost strangers to take his body and lay it in the rock. Stop with me, linger in this. Now a theologian may say to you, do not think that this was chaotic, the rush was obedient. The rush was right. It has in mind the words of Deuteronomy 21. If a man is put to death and you hang him on a tree, his body shall not remain all night on the tree, but you shall bury him the same day. For a hanged man is cursed by God. You shall not defile your land that the Lord your God is giving you for an inheritance. Yes. You shall not... (laughs) You shall not defile the most precious thing the Lord has given to you. How could you? How could you defile what is most precious for something lesser, and yet a hanged man is cursed by God? And here is the God-man, hanged by us, cursed for us, and cursed by us. Us, do we find ourselves here at the foot of the cross? We find people, perhaps not whom you'd expect, not the 12. Other gospels tell us of other people there, but John tells us of two groups, the soldiers and the Jews. When John speaks of the Jews, he speaks of the leaders, the council, the Sanhedrin, the elders. Other gospels tell us that there are other people here, but just those two in John. And two of those same leaders whose leadership brought us there are who we see next. Joseph of Arimathea was a respected member of that council. He had sent Jesus to the cross as part of it. He had protested the injustice, but he could not or did not stop it. Nicodemus was a Pharisee and a ruler. John tells us in chapter three about him. He's the man who came to Jesus in secret and had spoken to him in personal conversation, perhaps the most famous words of Christ in John 3.16. 
that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believed in him should not perish but have eternal life. And yet this Nicodemus feared to be known to believe. These two men buried Jesus, men who had the chance to walk with Jesus and yet kept their distance. People who had come in secret, believed in secret, protected themselves from the overwhelming claim on their lives that would be true if this were true. These two men saw the soldiers break the legs of the other two men crucified, but not Christ's. And they saw a soldier stab the Son of God. They saw the blood of sacrifice, the blood of covenant, the water of life pour out of his side. Streams of living water pouring out in hideous irony as the Son of God was pierced. These two men, men who had memorized scripture from an early age, watched as in death as in life, Jesus relentlessly fulfills the promises and the prophecies of scripture. Other gospels tell us that the sky turned black, that there was an earthquake, that a temple curtain tore in two, that the dead came out of their graves, and yet John mentions none of this. These supernatural events for him seem secondary. He assumes that we have read those, and instead he tells us this, that in the course of an ordinary day, with all its pressures, all its concerns, Jesus was killed. And as he was killed, every detail revealed his own design from eternity past. And the experience of seeing the cross made two people consider everything else a waste. The experience of seeing the cross transformed these two men. Finally, too late, but Lord willing, soon enough, that they might honor the only true king. There are plenty of strange things about the way John tells us this account. There's all that he doesn't say, the supernatural things, the other people around, the incident with the men crucified, but he chooses to give us two clear emphases, and they're these, that the death of Christ fulfilled scripture, and that the death of Christ brought secret followers out of hiding, even as his other followers hid. Look at Joseph of Arimathea. Before he saw the cross, he was scared. Scared of whom? His own friends his equals, he was wealthy, he was respected, he was influential. We know that from the other gospels, but what we know from this gospel is that this important man was scared. Look at Nicodemus, intellectual, moderate, wise. We know that from earlier in the gospel, but we're reminded John will not let us forget that he would only sneak in at night to see Jesus. 
And yet something about the cross transformed these two men. Joseph, no longer hiding, went to Pilate, ran to the governor. Imagine how many people saw him. To go and request, not like his colleagues, that the bodies would be taken away and dealt with, but that he might put the body on his shoulder and be seen carrying it, and at his own expense, honor it. Joseph realizes the truth of the cross in this moment, that that tomb ought to have been his. I should have died, and yet my Lord and Savior took the whole weight and terror and anguish of death. Joseph sees his tomb cut in the rock at his expense, the certainty of his irreversible death, filled and fulfilled with the body of the Lord of glory. The grave is conquered, filled by the triumph of the love and justice poured out on the cross. Joseph has changed. And Nicodemus, wise and moderate Nicodemus, let the world see him rush back into the city and get 75 pounds of spices and materials and heave those out to the burial site. Spices fit for the burial of a king. And so you see that this wise man brings myrrh and this Joseph wraps the helpless body of Jesus in cloths as this improvised burial planned from eternity and spoken forth from the birth of Christ. As this burial really happens. As Jesus died, all the promises of God began to effervesce off the old scrolls as they hear the words and see the fulfillment. Yet John reminds us it was an ordinary day. Perhaps a slightly special Friday, but an ordinary day with all the pressures, with all the stresses, with all the urgency. To them, it was the day of preparation. And even as that term was being fulfilled before them, the people missed the wonder of the day, pushed out by the urgency of all that would be done, all but two of them. Missed the urgency and the wonder of what was before them. And we have to ask, what would Joseph and Nicodemus, those two who did see, what would they do to be given back one week to walk with Jesus, to hear him speak, to feel his presence in the room, to have acted, to have chosen not to hide, to have come to him. 
Scripture is fulfilled. Every word is true and every promise is yes in Christ. Paid in his death and sealed and guaranteed and gloriously brought forth. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. Don't miss the wonder of this day. Urgency and the pressing matters of today are real and yet they will pass. So stop and linger in this fact. Do not hide from that punctured side. Don't forget the reality of the grave. See the Lord Jesus. Ask the Lord that he would show you the choice of the Lord Jesus to walk to the cross to allow himself to be nailed to it. See him slaughtered and his name erased by evil and see yourself at the foot of the cross. And as you see this, hear the words that Jesus spoke, the words that made Nicodemus bold, that gave Joseph courage. It is finished. Lord, that you would lay down your life, that you would endure disgrace, that you would take everything deserved by us and take it on yourself, that you would follow through not only to the point of condemnation but to the cross and into the rock of the grave. We praise you.